Let's Get Growing is live streamed Saturday mornings on the Urban Gardener YouTube channel at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to come join us for all the great gardening conversations. Welcome gardeners. My name is Sasha and I live in Kochi, India. You are watching the Urban Gardener channel. Now, let's get growing! All right. Welcome gardeners to your weekly gardening livecast here on the Urban Gardener channel. Let's get growing. Now I'm Enoch. I'm going to be your host today and we've got another great fun and exciting show for you here this week. We've got with us our featured guest Bevan Cohen of Small House Farm. He's an author and podcaster. We're really excited about having him later on. We're also going to have with us Emmanuel Arce of Ultimate Gardening as our channel of the week. And we're also following Lanny of Gingerfoot Garden. So be sure to stay tuned for all of those great guests coming up here in the show. Now, if you are joining with us live, be sure to get into our comment box there. Leave some comments, ask some questions. We love to hear from all of you here who are watching this show with us live. So be sure to do that and let us know a little bit about what you got growing on in your garden. And also be sure to give our show a big thumbs up to hit that like button and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already so that you can follow along with all of the great garden adventures that we have here on the Urban Gardener channel. So again, it's really awesome to have all of you here with me today. One of the things that we're going to do too as well to, uh, to start out the show is we're going to start with our question of the week too. So our question of the week this week is, are you trying or growing anything new this season? So that's another way for you all to be able to get into our chat box and uh, let us know what you've got uh, growing new in your garden this season. And we'll feature some of your answers to those questions and all of that here a little bit later on in the show. So this last week, and uh, actually just uh, yesterday, we released our video on the Amazon Spheres. Now that's a, such a really fun video. I'm really excited about you all being able to check it out. We do have a link down in the description below. So um, you can go and check out that video as well too. It's really great. It was such a fun uh, garden adventure for us here on the channel to do uh, when we took off to uh, Seattle for the flower and garden show up there. I took a little detour into downtown Seattle and uh, Amazon, everybody who's familiar with Amazon, um, has this just giant structure in downtown that like, looks like three bubbles that are kind of smashed together. It's kind of a big giant biodome and um, I went and saw this a few years ago when I was at a previous flower and garden show, but they only allowed you to kind of go into the uh, what they call the understory. It's basically a public visitor center that allows you to uh, see how it's all put together and all of that and uh, how they put all of these plants in these plant walls. So you get to see that. I do have a video on that as well that's linked in the video for the Amazon Spheres video that I have already. 
uh, put in the description for you down below. But uh, it's just an amazing place. Now, they finally opened it up here in the last couple of years for everybody to be able to go and do a tour. I think they do it on the first and third Saturdays of the month. And you're able to go in there and walk all around and check out all of the just amazing things that they have growing on inside of these spheres. And uh, it's just an awesome experience. I really encourage all of you to check out the video for one. But if you're in Seattle and uh, have an opportunity to sign up and go check out this wonderful feature there, I mean, there's so many things that are growing on in there. They got these big giant trees growing inside of the dome. Um, and it's all just, you know, you know, of course they got the light coming from the dome coming in, but it's supplemented with all this other light. They, you know, they, uh, push in the right type of air and humidity and and uh, mist all of these plants and everything. And it's just really cool to see. They got some really awesome walk paths that you can walk around through and um, check out and experience all of that too. So um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this one. It was probably one of my favorite videos that I've made so far this year, probably in the last couple of years actually. Because uh, it was just one of those things that, again, when I went to go visit it before, um, a couple of years ago, uh, we were only able to go and check out this visitor center. And so you can just see inside of it and what all the stuff that's going on and you wonder what is going on inside of there. So um, it was really awesome to be able to finally get to go check it all out. So many plants. I can't even name most all of these plants in there. They got some really cool water features, a couple of aquariums. It's like three stories tall, so you can walk on these kind of elevated walk paths and everything. But uh, yeah, just really, really cool and uh, really something neat to see. So really uh, check out that video down below in the description and uh go see that video it's really cool really really cool and uh again too we'll also this next week be getting started up with uh one of the video series that i do throughout the growing season is our garden journals so i finally got to get outside this last week after some of the weather and everything to be able to finally start getting into some of my elevated beds some of my containers and kind of fix some things up because, you know, it's just one of those uh, things that we got to do out of the winter time is to just kind of assess where our garden is and uh, how everything and what everything we're going to need to do in order to get it all prepared for the season. So we got that all set up. So look forward to that video coming up this next week as well, too. So um also, and if again, I want to say again, too, is to get into that comment box there and let us know if you got any comments or question as well, too. So time for our first segment of the show, and it's time to check out what Mark has going on in the garden with NBC. Hey guys, welcome to another segment of In the Garden with NBC. This time we're on location in my backyard where I have my backyard compost system. 
Uh, it might look like to the untrained eye, just a series of garbage cans, but I'm gonna explain it to you. I'm gonna tell you why this is such an important part of my overall gardening system. And the ability to make our own compost is just really taking nutrition and our own garden needs into our own hands. We're completing cycles. We're reusing materials that we would have otherwise shipped off site. We've already brought them in. The nutrients have already come to us. Obviously we're consuming some of those nutrients in the form of vegetables and other things. But then we have the wastes, which also contain nutrients and we don't wanna lose those. In addition, I just cycle through a lot of my other landscaping plants show you in a minute that I have some grasses waiting to go in the compost into the mix. Um, I'm using worms. It's primarily a worm-based system. They're hanging out in these bins. Um, surprisingly, once you get a, a garbage can that's about, I've got these brute 44 gallon cans. Let's just tilt down for a minute there. You can see the, just a lineup of cans. They're sitting on blocks and in order to prevent the bane of all the bane of all compost systems is of course rats we don't want rats to get into our compost system so i've got the block the concrete blocks that rest on the ground i've got a layer of mesh of uh hardware cloth which is that kind of uh fencing kind of with very small mesh and a layer or two i think and then i've got my can with perforated drainage holes, small holes. So uh, there's really, I haven't had any problems with any rodents getting up through. We wanna make sure right from the get-go that we don't have problems. We're not attracting those uh, creatures into our backyards. Uh, we don't necessarily want them. Our neighbors don't want them. We're not gonna be the most popular person in the neighborhood if we're breeding rats in our compost pot. So we got that out of the way. That's great. Uh, let's dive into the actual kind of mechanics and maintenance of it. So I have four cans, five cans actually, five can system. Um, the composting is done right in place. Obviously with worms, as you're placing more organic material on top, the worms are working their way up and I keep adding some layers of food versus uh, you know, newspapers, cardboard, kind of bedding type material. Sometimes I'll use um, coconut fiber if I have that as well. Sometimes I've even used potting soil, just layering mainly to give the worms a medium to go through and also to absorb some of the juices and, and the liquids that come from the vegetable material. In a standard hot compost pile, you're trying to balance carbon and nitrogen. We don't really have to worry so much about that and we're not trying to get the heat here. This is a different kind of compost system. Uh, that said, compost piles do benefit from aeration and from some turning. And you may be wondering if I have my system in a garbage can, how do I do that? Well, this is all made possible by the discovery of this wonderful tool called the compost crank. So this is a stainless steel corkscrew, you can see it as it rotates in the intended direction, that leading edge is just imagine it plunging deep down into the compost pile, creating a hole. You can see it's got an, off, an offset handle with two, two uh, 
an offset shaft with two handles and you just spin it around in a corkscrew fashion you can also back it out as it gets as it gets deep or stuck you know you can reverse the, the direction so this basically i call this my metal worm it sort of bores a hole down through the compost and that alone if you were just to back it out it would create an air channel but what's really great about this is you can see the end is in a basket style once you get this thing down in there you can give it a, a haul back and take out a whole core of the compost and you do this in in successive motions you channel down a little bit and then you pull up a certain amount loosen that then you go down a little further you'll know if you've gone down too far you won't be able to take it down so let's see this in action this is a great upper body workout so in this bin here this garbage can i've got mostly finished compost it's been sitting and aging for a while this multi-bin system you can see i just go down i pull up i go down i pull up it's all very loose so it's not giving me a lot of resistance in this multi-bin system i'm working one or two bins actively i'm adding new material the worms are working their way up and then when i'm ready to start a new bin i'll usually take the top surface that has the greatest concentration of worms put that in the bottom of a new bin and then again begin to work my way up with new materials um, adding some bedding materials like i said i some of my recycled cardboard i use for this purpose um, I've got some grasses that I was just trimming from the landscape. So it's a real um, catch-as-catch-can methodology. There's no set kind of materials. If I have old recycled newspapers, I'll use those. Just as materials become available that I think will, will be good at providing some of that bedding and soaking up moisture, I'm going to use it. The worms don't seem too fussy. When compost is aged for a while, I bring out the next set of tools, which is a sifter. This is a two panel sifter. So it has a, a larger mesh there. And then I can switch to a smaller mesh if I want a finer product. Those are interchangeable. I can switch those out. Got myself a scoop and I've got a, a bin here that sits on top of the system. And I can use, the nice thing about this system also is that all the, uh, garbage cans come to about waist high so it forms a kind of a counter a work surface and if I had leveled this a little bit better at the beginning intentionally put down some gravel and gotten it nice and level I could have built them up all exactly even I wasn't really thinking of that when I got into this system but I could have set them all up exactly even and then I could have put some wood on top of that and used it as an actual work table as it is, each 44-gallon brute can, that's, that's the basic unit that I use, is wide enough. The lid is wide enough to use as a, a very nice, comfortable workstation. I've got it in a shaded area, protected from the, the, the summer sun. And I can come out here and do some seeding or a lot of other things right on top of that area as well. But let's get to the sifting. So when I have some finished compost, I'll, I'll take a certain amount out. You saw my video last week uh, in the seed room you know that some of my seed mix is my own compost so after this is aged for about a year uh, from the initial dumping in uh, it's sad a year I've, I've been aerating it I may have I may have shifted some of it from one bin to another but I don't turn it very much that way it's too much work uh, then I'm going to start scooping it out Sifting it, 
to the degree that I need. And then what's great is all the leftovers from the siftings are just gonna go right on top of some more of the vegetable matter and they'll continue to break down. Here I can see common things that I see that take a while. I see an avocado pit, I see a corn cob, um, I see some uh, egg shells. These are things that take a little longer to break down. I'm not in any hurry though, I, you know, I'm not, you can put your eggshells in a blender. You can pulse them if you want them smaller. You can chop up some of this stuff. I'm not in too big a hurry. I'm happy to let nature take its course. And some of this stuff actually just serves as a kind of an aeration for the whole system as well. The bigger particles or a mix of particle sizes. So we'll do a little more sifting here. That's going to go in my active bin. And then I have a beautiful product here. This is actually just running through the first sifter, but uh, I can even get it finer if I need it. But this is pretty good for my, for my mix. Uh, I use this as a top dressing, which means I spread it around the plants as they're growing during the season. I'll incorporate some of it into certain raised beds as I see fit or as I need. And it's just, uh, it's a wonderful resource and it's great having a source of fertility right at your fingertips. So I'm gonna encourage all of you to kind of set up and think about your own compost system, see what you can do to get one going. And I promise you, you will not regret being able to compost right at home. I'm sure many of you already do. I'm sure you agree with me that this is a vital part of your garden system. So once again, great to be with you in the garden with MBC. Next week, I see, a, I see a rooftop garden in our future. In fact, I see me at Noble Rot Rooftop Garden telling you about what you need to stock up on before the garden season gets going in full force to be fully prepared. So we'll see you next week in the garden with NBC. Always my pleasure. Have a great garden week. All right. How awesome. All of that great composting information from our good friend, Mark Boucher Colbert. And uh, also you can get down in the description below too and check out uh, a link to his Instagram where he also shares lots of really fun and cool things that he's got going on in the garden. And now it's time for our garden stories. This week's garden story comes in from viewer Jackson Horton. Jackson began his deep dive into gardening in 2015 after graduating from college with a BS in environmental studies. His partner grew up gardening and she's the one that helped him find his passion for plants. The first thing he grew that year was snap peas, which really struggled in the clay heavy soil. They didn't perform well, but he was hooked at that point. They moved into their current house in 2017. Their garden was small and primarily contained two pots and a few raised beds the first few years. In 2018, he spent six months helping build an off-grid homestead on Oahu. While he was there, he ended up with some seeds from some Bolivian rainbow and Hawaiian chili peppers that a friend was growing. He had 
been growing Thai peppers up until this point, but that was when he got the itch to start a pepper business. Once Jackson moved back home, he started getting seeds for a bunch of different pepper varieties and started selling pepper seedlings in 2019. From there, he made a website, pdxpeppers.com, and started selling pepper seeds in 2020. They got permission from the landlord to turn the back and front yard into a garden. To convert the lawn, he lightly broadforked the whole yard. Then they used the lasagna gardening method. At this point, he started messing with hot sauce recipes, and by 2021, he had four different fermented hot sauces available. He now ended up pretty far down the gardening and soil science rabbit hole, reading every relevant book on the subject and going through his local master gardener program. Along with working for a few farms and a nursery, this resulted in Jackson wanting to share the knowledge he had gained and used by making YouTube videos. In 2022, they bought the house from their landlord, which eased a ton of stress associated with running a farm business on rented land. They can now really fill in the property the way they want and are excited about this season. So, all right. Really a great gardening story from Jackson, and we'd love to hear your garden stories as well, too. So be sure to go check out our website at letsgetgrowing.live, and you can go up and check out the uh, tab that says Get Involved. And in the Get Involved tab, you'll be able to fill out a form and submit your garden stories so that we can read them here and share some of your pictures right here on the show and tell all of your garden stories. That's what we really love to do here on our channel is talk with all these different great gardeners and share garden stories with everybody. So please be sure to go and do that if you've got a really fun and interesting story. Are, 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 are you following me? Are you following me, dude? This week's Instagram segment, we are featuring Lanny of the Gingerfoot garden lanny is an insta gardener where she shares all of her gardening adventures all right so let's welcome lanny to our show from the gingerfoot garden awesome to have you here with us this hello. week excellent hello hello thank you for joining with us how are you doing no problem i am doing good i'm doing good how about you we're doing great over here in Southern Oregon. Where do you garden from? So I live here in Maryland, Zone Seven, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's actually pretty good today. It the weather is beautiful, and I can't wait to get out there. <laughs> awesome, yeah, I know it's been something for us here too in Southern Oregon, where I live. So the winter weather has been kind of holding on and. We just had some snow recently and and uh, some cold nights, but everything's starting to kind of warm up and I've got my hopes up that we're all going to be ready to go here real soon. So I started getting out and cleaning up the garden and figuring out what we're going to be doing. So first thing I want to ask you is what was your first gardening experience? Where did it all get started for you? Okay, so... As far as gardening, I would say um, I've been exposed to gardening back when when I was 
younger because my mom loves um mostly ornamental plants because we have a small small space and if for uh, uh just for a background i grew up back in the philippines and moved here when I, when i was um 28 <laughs> yeah when i was 28 so uh most of my context is the philippines and um we live in a smaller space so we didn't really have a lot of space to grow but my mom loves growing uh orchids but back then i didn't really care so much about growing plants but i've i've learned here and there a few things about gardening but i haven't really get into gardening until um we had the pandemic and i think a lot of the gardeners these days could actually identify with that because um you know it was a very stressful time for all of us most of us I could say that we don't really know what's going on and and part of me was feeling um scared and not sure about you know things so i i was starting to feel paranoid and um one time i was walking with with one of my friends just to um you know just to just so we could go somewhere else and have a little bit of exercise and we found this lady who is um selling some um some ornamental plants for cheap because uh, she was almost like like hey take the plant just give me whatever you want and so i wound up taking home some uh succulents spider plants and i think eucara and um I, I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted to keep the plants alive. So I started researching like how to care for plants and things like that. And next thing you know, I'm getting hooked because I'm learning so many things from, you know, how to, gar how to garden. And next thing you know, yeah. I'm having that desire to grow something of my own for, my, uh, for myself. Right. It's quite amazing and, and definitely I'm sure a lot of people can understand and relate to uh, how things went during the pandemic, you know, that mm -hmm. was one of the things for me I'd already been gardening for a while, but especially during that time period, mm -hmm. it was really like one of those things that just brought such a relief from everything that was going on instead of feeling trapped indoors. It's just really awesome to get outdoors you know, start working with the land and the soil and caring for plants and all of that. You know, one of the best things about gardening, I find, is that sort of kind of garden therapy that you get from yes. growing plants and doing all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, and I'm glad that you were able to find that and to be able to do that. It's just mm -hmm. again, one of those yeah. things that really does. It really does make it. Yeah, difference. like I can tell you that like back then, I don't really care about going outside at all <laughs> and it's funny and since uh, since i started getting into you know garden gardening to in, into plants i wind up going actually spending a lot of time and creating a space in our backyard where you know it's you're not just gonna just like what you said you're not gonna be stuck in the house instead you have another place to go instead of just being inside the house so that's just beautiful <laughs> yeah exactly it's a good place to escape is into the garden and there's nothing better than growing plants what are, are some of your favorite plants to grow in the garden since you got started yeah so um i actually love growing succulents but unfortunately i don't have a lot of space to grow them so i'm very limited to um to growing them i think i only have the echeveria and okay. i have forgot <laughs> i forget the name of the other plants but the main plants that i actually love growing in is um 
are, are actually the plants that I grew up eating back in the Philippines. And um, a lot of times I would find those vegetables in the Asian market, but most of the time the prices are not very cheap. So I said, yeah. um, if I can grow them in my own backyard, that would be wonderful. So I started growing some of them. Yeah, I would say, yeah. so to name a few plants, I would say one would be uh, calamansi. It's a citru citrus plant, which is more like a cross between lemon and um, um, lemon and lime. And okay. I actually just bought the, the plant. And the one that I got was uh, the variegated one. Um, yeah. It's just beautiful. And I, I'm looking forward to, to harvesting that. Another that plant I would say would be the ginger. <laughs> You like to grow ginger, huh? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I've, I've, oh. I've realized that there's a lot of people who are actually very interested in growing ginger. So I started uh, Ginger Grow Along in my Instagram account. Yeah, so we'll talk about that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so out of all the different things that you've been growing and learning about growing, do you find any of them to be, what's your most difficult plant that you've had a hard time growing? Mm -hmm. So I would say um, the ginger gave me hard. <laughs> For some reason, it went back to going ginger. <laughs> um, it because I came from the content concept of the context of growing in a tropical country. I've always known warm weather, so I yeah. didn't know how to grow, you know, something in a colder climate. So I had a hard time in the beginning how to grow how to grow ginger, and then later on. I kind of discovered how to uh, to grow it. And I would say that's the one that I had a hard time growing, but then I, I've learned later on how to do it. Another thing that I still haven't really mastered how to grow are the cabbages and uh, broccoli. Yeah. I haven't really grown a, you know, a good head of cabbage and broccoli for some reason, but, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm still, you know, getting something from the garden. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's same with me. I, I have the hardest time with brassicas. They give me a challenge every single year. But like I say, I'm always determined to get it figured out. So I try no matter what each and every year to grow some. Last year, I ended up finally getting some decent broccoli out of my garden. So that was awesome. good. But my cabbage heads only got, you know, so big and didn't really fully develop. So again, another challenge for me too. I got the same challenges working on those brassicas, but I'm mm -hmm. determined. I will get them done. Yeah. Yes. One day we will get it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So tell me what inspires you. We know that you uh, started gardening out of the pandemic and all of that. You're learning about doing mm -hmm. all of these different things in the garden. What inspires you to start up an Instagram and share all of your gardening experiences on Instagram? All right. So when it comes to that, I really just wanted to give my Facebook friends a break from my uh, <laughs> post about plants and gardening because yeah. I feel like, oh, man, my friends are going to be so tired of this. And so I wind up like posting them on my Instagram. I created that, you know, that account just basically dedicated for gardening. And the reason for that is, it, it, that is because I feel like on Instagram, you're not really going to be judged so much when you post you know, all about a certain topic. And um, yeah. with that, 
it's funny how you wind up um, developing more relationship with other people and having a forming a community, and that I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with uh, uh, the Instagram account. It's not account, but Instagram platform more than yeah. any other of the other platforms. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and it's really I you know I think that Instagram is such a great fit for gardeners and being able to share and uh, enjoy the gardening experience with everybody. And I'll tell you, you've done really well with that. Were you kind of surprised at getting all of the followers and all of that that you ended up getting out of that? Oh yes, oh yes. I like I told my husband before and other people that I'd never really expected to to grow that much on Instagram. I just know that um, I I just like the community. I just like the connections that I've made. I've made like you know it's like I said it's quite funny to say that oh I have to talk about oh I I have this gardening friend. You haven't really met them in person, but then you have somehow made a connection with them through Instagram and it's just beautiful. <laughs> yes, it's absolutely one of my favorite things about getting into the whole gardening community myself was to be able to meet and enjoy conversations about uh, gardening and all the different aspects of gardening with all the people that are out there. And I found that the gardening community is definitely one of the best and most open communities that's out there and i just really love it and you know i really absolutely enjoy following your instagram account you've really done Thank well you. with it and uh you know as far as gardening and instagram you're one of the you're you're instagram famous in the gardening world and it's really <laughs> awesome to see all of the things that you've done do you have any uh plans for anything in the future for gardening or any other projects or anything like that that you're working on honestly i just want to do <laughs> i just want to be able to create um i would say just be more organized when it comes to it, like posting because i i find it a little bit more challenging these days because of you know the things that we go through in life and as if 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 you guys have followed me for a while, you you guys would know that my husband is going through um, chemotherapy right now, and things are a lot more challenging. He's doing okay, by the way, but um, things are a lot more challenging now, even with me working part-time as well. It's more challenging, so um, I'm trying to improve my uh, my system as far as, uh, you know, growing in on Instagram, and um, I just, I, I would say, just want to do better. There's really no... Um, fancy plan at the moment yeah <laughs> but we'll see how it goes we never know in one year there, there could be something that would open up maybe, maybe more opportunities we'll see how it goes i just want to you know be able to serve my the companies that i work with and also the people that are following me that's all that i have for now <laughs> awesome well you're doing a really great job and bless your heart you're being with there with your husband and dealing with all of that that you're dealing with there too and um really awesome of you to come here and join with us here on our show it's been really great to have you here and have a little conversation about gardening and all of that so thank you again for taking the time out of your saturday here to join with us here on let's get growing my pleasure thank awesome. you for having me absolutely thank you lanny and everybody be sure to go and check out her Instagram again down in the description below. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Enoch.
Ivory Organic was founded on the gardening concept of whitewashing, simply lightening your plants to better tolerate weather extremes, transplant shock, and so much more. Such a valuable gardening practice that farmers have been doing it since BC times. However, in recent years, most research has been caring for plants and trees using latex and tar-based products, products which are designed to last 100 years but fall off your plants within one to two years as your plants grow, contaminating your garden soil indefinitely. Ivory Organic gives organic commercial orchards and backyard growers an organic and healthier alternative. Also, unlike latex and tar-based products, Ivory Organic thrives on porous, allowing moisture and nutrients to pass so that your coated surfaces such as grafting wounds and pruned branches will not rot. Available in colors white or more natural looking colors such as brown, green, gray, and grayish. White naturally reflects the most amount of heat, but all colors offer protection to unprotected surfaces from the elements. Ivory Organic has two general categories of whitewash products. The three-in-one plant guard, which includes seven natural oils, including castor, cinnamon, clove, garlic, peppermint, rosemary, and spearmint, which offer insect and rodent repellent protection, and the whitewash oil-free formula. Both products also have diatomaceous earth and the base ingredients, which naturally offer some insect repellent protection too. As always, keep growing with Ivory Organics and wishing you all happy gardening. So, all right. Now, at the beginning of the show, I asked you all about our gardening question of the week. This week's question is, are you trying or growing anything new this season? And so far, we got a couple of answers for our question in our chat box there. Our first answer comes from Greg, last week's guest, Greg, Farmer Greg Peterson. He said, oh my God, I am trying everything new this season as I have never grown in Asheville. Yeah, Greg's growing his first gardens in Asheville. He's originally from Arizona. And uh, so that's quite a difference in climate that he's going to have to figure out and growing so he's got all sorts of new things that he's going to be growing in his garden be sure to go also check out last week's uh let's get growing show too where we featured uh farmer greg as our featured guest and we also got an answer from oh looks like our producer michelle this season i am going to start asparagus i ordered 100 roots through johnny seeds they should ship soon i hope i didn't bite off more than i can chew work party anyone <laughs> yeah for sure absolutely thanks michelle for uh answering our question we also had a couple of answers on our facebook let's get growing page where we post this weekly question from our show onto our facebook group and ask all of you out there to uh, share with us all of the new things you've got growing this season and our first one was from Connie Davidson. She says she's growing daikon radishes and rosa tomatoes. She's also trying out leeks, bunching onions, and scallions. But some are looking good and some aren't. Oh, well, you know, hopefully they all start looking really good in your garden here. So awesome. Thanks, Connie, for submitting your answer to our question. And then we've got our viewer, Nancy Hood, saying in the fall, she planted some elephant garlic, which she has never grown. I want to compare it with German hardneck garlic that she's grown for years, just for fun. <laughs> elephant garlic's really great. 
I really love growing elephant garlic myself too. And um, it's really cool to kind of get those really big garlic bulbs out of your garden each season too as well. And then we've got Marcy Isherwood says that she won an eggplant and it's just not growing in 9B Florida. Oh, well, hopefully we get that figured out and your eggplant uh, gets to produce some really good fruits for you there. Eggplants are just a really beautiful plant. They're probably one of my favorites as far as growing and, and their beauty and the leaves and the fruits and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, have to admit, I'm not much of an eggplant connoisseur either when it comes to actually eating them. So I grow them for the fun and then I give them away to all of my friends and family who actually enjoy them a bit more. So awesome. Thank you all for submitting your answers to our weekly gardening question. And uh, this week's garden question is, what's your hardest gardening challenge? Now, you can answer our question, what's your hardest gardening challenge on our Facebook group and at um, the Let's Get Growing Gardening group. And uh, you can find a link for that down in the description. The Let's Get Growing Gardening Group is a great place for all of you who are watching and participating with the Urban Gardener channel and our Let's Get Growing show and be able to share some of your different gardening experiences with pictures and video. And you can ask questions, you can answer questions, and especially be sure to go there and give us an answer to this week's question, what's your hardest gardening challenge. Hi, Ultimate Gardeners. Hi, my name is Nathan. Hey guys, what's up? I'm Rachel. All right, so this week we're going to be we're going to be uh, following along with um, Ultimate Gardening, Emmanuel Arce. He gardens down in Florida and um, we're looking forward to talking with him here. Let's welcome Emmanuel to the show. Hi. Hey, Emmanuel. Hey, how awesome to see you there. Thanks for joining us this week. Glad to be here. Such a pleasure to be on the live stream with you guys. That's awesome. It's really great to have you here. I've been following you for a little while. I really like a lot of the things that you're doing with your YouTube channel. Thank you. You're welcome. So you, you uh, garden down in Florida, right? Yeah, I grow down here in South Florida, in the southern part of Florida. South Florida there. So the weather's pretty nice then? Yep. We're currently in the high 70s. Um, we did experience one day that it went down a little bit lower, but this entire week we've been in the high 70s and 80s. Oh. Yeah, I know the rest of us around the country are probably pretty jealous that you got all that really nice weather, but I'm sure that uh, gardening in Florida presents its kind of challenges and all of that. So uh, how about you tell us, what was your first gardening experience? I know you're pretty young, but uh, I'm sure that uh, you've got a pretty good garden story, right? Yeah, so my gardening experience happened around seven years ago when I was seven years old. Um it was actually my dad. So we went on to a local Lowe's we have around here and he went to go grab something in the store 
and I stayed in the garden center and I was just warming around looking at the plants and then I found one that I really really loved which was a red snapdragon and my dad purchased it for me and I planted it out in the backyard in a little area he told me I could plant it in and then I was so like fascinated by the growth rate of it how the flowers the intricate design of it and so I just wanted to learn more and that's when I just started jump starting into gardening and it's just been great ever since you started your first garden with your dad when you were about seven years old yeah so it was like it took my dad like about a year to like give up his lawn because my dad is that type of person who doesn't like giving up a lot of his backyard <laughs> space and so it right. took him about a year because I did a lot of container gardening the first few times. And he, once he saw that I was developing a little bit of experience, he gave me a little area like about a year later. Okay, awesome, awesome. So what do you like most about gardening? What I like most about gardening, it's the like peaceful environment per se, as well as it teaches you a lot of responsibilities. That's what I always tell everybody that gardening is a hobby. It could be a career for certain other people or certain gardeners. But what I love most is that it teaches responsibilities towards some gardeners as well as the peaceful environment. So it's like you're never stressed out or there's no any like sad emotion or anything. You're just at peace when you're gardening. Yeah, that's definitely, that's kind of something we were talking about there with our last guest as well, too, is that, you know, we can enjoy all of the fun things that we get to grow in the garden and all of that, but probably the best thing we get out of it is that peace of mind, that garden therapy, as I say, but uh, yeah, that's one of the great things about it. So what are some of your favorite plants to grow? You're growing down there in Florida, so you probably got some pretty interesting things down there, right? Yeah, so right now, since I'm dedicated into growing my own food, it has to be cabbage. Cabbage has to be one of my favorite uh, vegetables to grow, especially since I don't deal with a lot of pests or diseases or any type of critters after it. So cabbage has to be number one because I always have success growing it. And when it comes to harvest time, it's just a delight seeing how big the head of cabbages get, as well as like, any type of brassica out there, I always tend to have the biggest success with brassicas in general. Oh, wow. See, that's completely opposite of what my my uh, gardening experience is. <laughs> brassicas <laughs> always seem to give me the challenge in the garden every single year. So my goal this year is to hopefully get some really nice cabbages out of the garden and improve on my broccoli that I've been getting figured out here for sure so what are some of your least favorite plants to grow in the garden well there's always that little tiny plant that i don't really like growing which one of them has to be potatoes which when i ever tell somebody that they're like surprised but i guess it's because they can't really grow down in my climate but i've tried multiple times and failed at it but potatoes is just not my forte um it's just i never really had success growing them in containers or in the ground amending them I never have the success with growing potatoes. I did have a little harvest one year, but it wasn't the best. The potatoes came a little bit wonky shaped. And so potatoes has to be one of the least favorite ones I like to grow in the garden. Um, and follow up off of that probably has to be beetroot because it's just, I don't have the, a lot of 
patience for it, but also because beetroot does require a lot of, let's just say, like fertilizing, so it can get that nice, like beetroot shape. Right, right. Yeah, I love to grow container potatoes. Most of my gardening is all kind of small spaces. I've got a patio and all of that. And uh, so I grow container potatoes in big, large containers. And uh, I always find that each year that my potato plants are always really awesome. I get these big, beautiful, awesome, awesome plants. But the thing about potatoes is it's always a mystery about what you've got yeah. down underneath of the soil. And so you take and spend all of that time growing these potatoes. And then you wait until and, and you wait and wait and you get there finally and you make that harvest and you pull them out and you end up with these little tiny things sometimes, which happen. Yeah, I've had a. I've had a few good years, though, too, where I've gotten some really nice ones, but I'm sure that they do kind of present that challenge, like you said, for your climate. So I want to ask you, what inspires you, you're a young man, to get started in gardening and to start doing that on YouTube and making YouTube videos for? Um, So I'm 16 years old, so I'm pretty young. It's one of the youngest gardeners out on the social media platforms. Um, but what inspires me has to be the audience members or people who follow me because it's just something I love doing. I've always loved educating people on gardening as well as getting some things done in the garden. So it's like a two for one deal. And whenever I upload videos or they go on premiere, I always have multiple different people on the premiere or in the comment section always inspire me to do more as well as always leaving these amazing kind comments and that just kind of gives me more like enthusiasm or more passion to move forward because although the first like year of me doing youtube was quite a bit of a struggle especially during school wise because people let's just say kids weren't ever so friendly towards that and so i had to deal with a lot of issues in school and everything and so once i just like had my head in the game i was like my success is not going to be determined by other people if not by me and so i was like let me just go ahead and move forward because i want to do gardening gardening is a future career i'm taking and so i just was like let's just move forward and seems to be a lot of gardeners were pitching in support um and they were shouting me out and it just made my gardening channel just boost up and it's currently still boosting up and it's just like astonishing to see how many people are passionate about gardening as well as well as learning that other younger people are getting into gardening um and it's just really fun to see that and it just makes me want to do more yeah absolutely again too you know one of the things that's really cool for us in the gardening community to see our younger people like yourself and uh, we also had a guest last week uh, when he's seven or eight year old uh, Nathan from uh, growing with Nathan with us too. So it's really cool to see you young guys getting into gardening and doing that. And especially again, too, like what you're talking about with the community and everything. That's one of the things that was really inspiring to me as I just got into doing my channel for fun. I just wanted to kind of document what I was doing in my garden spaces. But then when I started seeing this encouragement from everybody else, just really, you know, uh, really got me going even further with what I'm doing to where, you know, here I am today, you know, making this uh, show, let's get growing and all of that. And that's really thanks to the garden community as well, too. So 
let's see you have done some collaborations with other gardeners do you got any favorite collaborations you've done recently um i never really have a favorite i always have great fun collaborating with other gardeners i haven't done any recent collaborations just yet since everybody is just jumping right into the spring season coming right around the corner but i do have some fun ones coming up soon but i will have to say one of my like most interesting collaborations i had to do was with a young kid called eden he has an amazing channel as well he is 16 years old as well and he knows a lot of stuff and his garden is fantastic we did a collaboration with him on my channel like i believe twice um and it's just been fun as well as with another gardener called sima from garden a little she is just an amazing gardener as well so like there's just so many gardening uh, channels out there that i just want to like expose to the audience or the community so they can have their moments so they could show everybody what they know so i never really have a favorite collaboration if not right. all of them were a pleasure to work with but definitely the person who like inspired me or like made me more surprised in a way was eden because he was the same like age as me and we kind of connected through the same thing Absolutely. Yeah. What a great answer, though, too. you know, everybody. I mean, I love all of my collaborations. I love to be able to connect with all the different gardeners and all of that out there in the gardening community. And it's really awesome to see the sort of things that you're doing. I did watch one of your collaborations that I really enjoyed. Someone that I've followed for a long time was uh, David the Good. And that yes. was a really great interview that you did with him. Yeah. David the Good is a good friend of mine. Um, he is an amazing gardener, survivor gardener. His journey started down here in Florida, like not too far away from where I'm located. And it was such a pleasure to get to know him. I know we were scheduling a collaboration about like a year ago, but things got really difficult on his end. So I just told him to just like, it's okay. Just do what you got to do and we'll just get back to it. And then one day he emailed me and he was like, hey, I'm heading down in South Florida in the Fort Lauderdale area. Are you interested in coming over? And we could do like a few videos in collaboration. And I was like, for sure. And he is <laughs> like, he is what you see in his videos is what he is in person. He doesn't yeah. play like that fantasy of I'm one person on camera and I'm a different person off camera. No, it literally transpires through the video. And it was just such a delight meeting him he knows a lot of stuff and he just is so funny his personality is so outgoing and it was just a collaboration that i was so anticipated to have and when it was released a lot of people loved it and i just can't wait to do more with him that's awesome yeah hopefully someday we're gonna get him on the show here too as well too because i get i really like him like you said he's got a really great personality he's fun um, I also love some of the music that he does in the songs yeah. and things like that he does on his channel and everything. He brings a lot of different things to his channel, and that's for sure. Um, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about, though, too, is I saw you put out a video recently where you're starting your own seed shop. I wanted to let everybody yes. know about your seed shop and where they can find that if they want to go and purchase some of your seeds you've got there. Yeah, so it was definitely a working prog progress or a 
project on a hold. It's definitely one of the dreams I had since I started my YouTube channel. I always wanted to have a seed business under my name, um, especially ever since like MI Gardener or like Epic Gardening, they are branching out really, really amazingly. And I was like, I just want to share my passion as well as the work I grow in my garden to other people. So the seeds I provide, they're all straight from my garden. Uh, there's no funny business going on with it. They're just harvested, dried, and then they're shipped to you guys. So it, my seed business was opened up about a week ago. Um, it's called Garden Grown Seeds. And it's I don't really have an official website yet since I just started. And so if you're interested in purchasing a order with the company, you could email me at gardengrownseeds at gmail.com and you send me an email on what you're interested in growing or what you're interested in purchasing. I'll give you the prices and everything and then we move forward from there. So it's definitely a project that I was really excited to announce. A lot of people seem to love it and so we're just awaiting to see where it takes us. Awesome. That's really great and I really like to see how you're really developing this whole game plan that you have with this knowledge of gardening that you're gaining and to be able to take it into some really great future projects. And I really hope that you yeah. succeed and uh, all the gardeners out there following and watching this channel, go and check out your channel as well as uh, send you a message and maybe see what kind of seeds that you have. And maybe you can start growing some of Emmanuel's uh, seeds that he's harvesting from his garden. That's a really great thing to be able to trade and, uh, do uh, seeds from other people's gardens and things like that too to yeah. kind of carry on those different varieties and everything so again Manuel, thank you so much for taking the time out of your saturday to join with us here on the let's get growing show it's been a really awesome conversation with you here no problem it was such a pleasure joining on here it was such a fun experience and i can't wait to meet new people out there uh, and create new gardening friends so i'm super super excited and it's been an absolute amazing experience excellent excellent well we'll see you again soon you take care thank you all right bye all right and now it's time for our featured guest this week All right, this week's featured guest is Bevan Cohen from Small House Farm. Bevan is an award-winning author, herbalist, owner of Small House Farm, and host of the popular Seeds and Weeds podcast. Bevan offers workshops and lectures across the country on the benefits of living closer to the land through seeds, herbs, and locally grown food. He is a food and garden writer whose work has appeared in numerous publications, including Mother Earth News, Modern Farmer Magazine, and the Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company catalog. And Bevan is the author or editor of more than 10 books, including Saving Our Seeds and The, Artist Herbal the Artisan Herbalist. Awesome. So let's welcome Bevan to the Let's Get Growing show. Hey. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Enoch. How are you doing today? Really awesome to have you here on my show. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, we uh, actually 
Um, I got to do Bevin's uh, Seeds and Weeds podcast with him a few weeks back. That was a really fun experience. So I wanted to thank you for having me on your show as well. Oh, man, I appreciate you being on the show. We got a ton of feedback about you. Everybody was so thrilled to have you there. Um, you did some, we, it was a segment called Ask a Gardener, and folks had sent in their gardening questions uh, for you to answer. People were thrilled with it. We might have to invite you back on the show, Enoch. People just loved having you there. Awesome. That's really awesome to hear. Excellent. So, man, we've got so much to talk about. You've done so many great things in the gardening community. Again, as we've mentioned here in your bio, author, you've done uh, all sorts of different um, books as well, too. In fact, I've got your From Our Seeds and Their Keepers book. I love this book. And it's one of the things that, you know, we're all about here on the Let's Get Growing show is kind of sharing garden stories and talking with different gardeners and getting their experiences from all over. And uh, this book is just filled with some really great stories about seeds and seed saving and everything too. So really do enjoy this book. And again, I encourage anybody out there too, to go check out some of the books that you have. Anything about that book in particular you'd like to share with us? Yeah, man, I really appreciate you even bringing it up. Um, you know, that was my very first book. Uh, it came out in 2018. And um, we have done a number of books since then, like you mentioned. But at the end of the day, I think that that one's still my favorite. Uh, it was so much fun to work on. You know, because what it is, like you said, is just stories. It's about seeds and the people that keep them, you know. Um, of course, when we save these seeds, we save these stories and we want to pass those along as well. But the people that save the seeds also have stories to tell. So that was really what we were going for with that book is to collect as many stories as we could and just put them in a place where they would be there forever. Because if we don't save and share the seeds and the stories, they could be lost. Um, and we don't want that right. to happen. So, um, yeah, that book, it, that was a blast. Uh, you know, I yeah, loved, loved writing that book. How about your first seed story, the Cherokee Trail of Tears Black Bean Let's share a little bit about that story with us. Sure. You know, that's the most sentimental seed for me out of them all because it was the very first seed that I ever saved. Now, that story came to be, I was at a place here uh, in Midland by me here in Michigan called the Chippewa Nature Center. And the Chippewa Nature Center has an heirloom garden where they grow different fruits and vegetables that would be somewhat historically accurate to what people would have grown in this area in the 1800s. And, uh, you know, this is well before we had a small house farm or anything. Um I used to take my family there to visit on homestead Sundays and you could learn all sorts of different traditional skills. You know, they'd be doing things like churning butter and working in the gardens and that sort of thing. And we'd come to visit and I was just fascinated with the garden and all these old varieties that have these signs say, you know, with the little wood burn sign and say something like bountiful bush bean 1893 or whatever. And I'd be like, wow, what does this even mean? You know? Um, and the garden, the guy, uh, the garden keeper explained to me one day, he says, these, these are heirloom seeds, Bevan. These are seeds that have been saved and passed down, you know, and I was like, oh, I don't, that's, that's really new to me. I, you know, it's such a, a foreign concept. And he says, Maybe, let me explain it to you in a different way. And he pulled some of those bean pods out of that vine and he stuck it in my hand and he said, you take these seeds home, you grow them, yeah. save your seeds and share them with your friends. And that was the impetus for everything that's happened in my life. That moment in time literally changed my life when he handed yeah. those seeds to me. Um, so that's something that I try to do for other people, you know? sharing these seeds, getting the seeds into the, you know, other people's hands so they could grow them and appreciate how wonderful it is to grow your own vegetables and to save those seeds and then to share that joy with everyone else. 
Yeah, that was probably one of the cool things I liked about our previous interview there with Emmanuel is, you know, he's a young man who's out there learning and gaining all this great gardening experience and everything and then setting off on his first young business adventure by, you know, saving his own seeds and then, you know, uh, sharing those and passing those along with other people as well, too. I was so, really so impressed with Emmanuel. I was sitting here backstage watching his interview. What a groovy guy. Uh, what a cool kid, man, for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's great. I really enjoy his show and his uh, YouTube channel and everything. And uh, again, too, you know, one of those things we featured another young man last week as well, too, who works with his dad and and uh, putting together a garden. And it's just one of the things I like most is being able to share the kind of garden experience with younger folks and be able to get them encouraged along that sort of line to learn about growing and you know maintaining gardens and everything it's it's really you know when you see someone young who really gets it and gets that passion it's just a real amazing thing it is. It's the most important thing, Enoch. I agree with that. You know, uh, you and I, we've only got so much time left here on earth. Uh, it's getting those kids excited is the most important thing that we could do. Get them out there, get them planting those seeds. That's the future, right? Yeah, that's absolutely the future. I did real quick, you know, about your book, uh, this one here, though, too. I wanted to share with everybody a really great quote that came from the came from you out of the book. And when it comes to seeds, it's, you said, within each seed is the miracle of life. The food that sustains us, our ancestors, and our cultures. Within each tiny bundle lies the history of our planet and its people. When we save our seeds, we save all of these things. And the simple act of sharing a seed from one hand to the next is surely one of the most significant and revolutionary acts of our time. That's just an amazing quote. When I read that, I was just like, wow, I was blown away. That's just, that is really what it's all about there for sure. Well, absolutely. You know, um, not to sound too woo woo, I suppose, but saving <laughs> and sharing seeds is probably one of the most powerful things that we can do, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. And I, I again, really, really enjoy the work that you do when it comes to that. And, um, wanted to kind of take a step back a little bit here though too into your past and once you share with everybody what got you started in gardening Ooh. <clears throat> well so i was raised by my grandmother um and i we lived in a little apartment on the edge yeah. of town so i didn't have a garden growing up but uh we would grow <clears throat> excuse me, we would grow radishes. That was my big thing was growing radishes and little flower pots. Yeah. Um, it was fascinating to me, you know, and a, a radish is a great thing for a beginner gardener because they produce so quickly, you know, it doesn't take long between seed to harvest and kids, you know, they don't have as much patience. So it was, it was a nice fast paced vegetable for me, but also yeah. I was one of those kids that loved eating radishes. So it was just a, it's a perfect win-win love growing those radishes, but we happened to be on the edge of town. So we were like right up against, um, I mean, acres of forest, you know, I mean, I was a kid. It seemed like it went on forever. Right. Um, and none of that yeah. forest is even there anymore. It's all subdivisions and things. Um, so the kids that live in those apartments now aren't as lucky as I was, I suppose, but I would spend my days wandering through the forest, um, enjoying all of the things that mother nature has to offer, um, listening to the birds and eating the berries and that sort of thing. And so at a young age, I was just infused with this fascination with everything that mother nature could do for us, the wonders of plants, you know, and, and that's yeah. just something that stuck with me through my whole life. 
as I got older and I had an opportunity to have my own home, um, one of the first things I tried to do was grow some tomatoes in a pot. You know, you got to grow your yeah. own tomatoes. Nobody wants to grow them at the grocery store um, or, you know, right. buy them at the grocery store. That's not that's not good for nothing. Right. Um, right. Exactly. So and, you know, as a beginner gardener years ago, um, well, I didn't do very well. Right. Um, as beginners <laughs> with anything in life, you know, we tend to fail more than anything. Mm -hmm. But the more we fail, the more that we learn. Um, and as long as we can just learn to persevere through that and accept those mistakes, um, which Mother Nature will teach us season after season, right? Every time we're out there, yeah. we have an opportunity to learn something new. Um, and it really has just snowballed out of control for me. What really, really sent it home for me as a lifelong gardener was when I had children you know, yeah. um, to come back to talking about kids again. When I had that opportunity to take my, my, my oldest son. Now he's today's his birthday. Um, Elijah's oh, birthday. Uh, yep. He's 14 today. Um, but when he was just a little guy, we, you know, we take him out there and he would dig in the soil and, and that sort of thing. And there's just something magical about that, you know? And, uh, yeah. it, it just, so that's it. This is all I want to do from now on. Um, find any excuse I can to get away from work and out into the garden. That's right, for sure. So let's see. So what are, I know you mentioned uh, radishes there is one of the first things and all of that, but currently what are some of the things that you really enjoy growing the most in your garden? Oh man. Okay. So every year I tend to be um, obsessed with something new, you know, uh, for a long time it was corn. Um, I was really just fascinated with growing corn there's just something special about that, but we have limited space here and corn takes up quite a bit of space and it needs full sun. And I have limited full sun areas as well. So we kind of had to make some cuts on some things. Um, last year I was all about Asian greens. Um, you know, Baker Creek heirloom seed, Jer um, owns Baker Creek. He's also fascinated with Asian fruits and vegetables. So yeah. through their catalog, they offer a lot of different Asian greens. Um, I bought them all last year, every, every single thing that they offered. And that's what I planted everywhere. Um, and it was delicious and nutritious and it was wonderful. This year, we're just starting to plant our seeds. And already I find myself completely obsessed with eggplants. Yes. Oh my gosh. There's so many wonderful varieties of eggplants. Um, my buddy may met, he owns two seeds in a pod, um, heirloom seed company. Um, and he's from Turkey and which is where, you know, a, a lot of eggplants were domesticated right. and developed. And yeah. so he has turned me on to some great ways to cook eggplants, um, roasting them over fire and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And once you start to appreciate the flavors of something, you want to start growing it. Right. Um, yeah. so yeah, I am pretty much obsessed with eggplants, all sorts of different shapes and sizes of them. I got already started, you know, they're little guys right now, um, <laughs> under, under lights on heat mats. Um, but eggplants all the way this year, Enoch, that's what it's going to be about. So, yeah, so I guess that answers our what's new in the garden question, but uh, I love growing eggplants as well. And again, I'm one of those people that, you know, when I find something I like to grow, um, it doesn't matter necessarily if I enjoy them or not. So I might have to try some new ways of cooking and preparing eggplant. Maybe I can get some new ways of in, uh, trying to enjoy it. It hasn't been one I've really cared for too much, but I love the plants so much. They're big 
beautiful plants with these amazing leaves and just the way they grow and then you get these really cool pots i kind of find it similar to like pepper plants that was my first real obsession was pepper plants and i like them because you know each of the plants have their each of the plants and varieties have their own different temperaments to them you know and they grow kind of differently and and, and you know you get some pods that'll grow straight up you'll have some that grow down you got all these sort of things and um and the pods are just amazing, you know, when you get all these different varieties of pods. And I find some similar fascination when it comes to eggplants and everything. So I've grown out a couple of varieties over the last couple of years. And I usually just give those to friends and family and people who really do enjoy them so that I can get the joy of actually growing them in my garden as well, too. So I really love eggplants, too, as well. You know, what got me going with eggplants, because at first you know, your experience with eggplants might be for some folks that, you know, purple blob, they sell at the grocery store and it's kind of bland, a little bitter. It's not really the most enjoyable thing. Um, and before I started growing my eggplants, that was what I knew about them. But then I got Cookstown orange, which is a different species. So most of the eggplants that we're familiar with are a species domesticated in Asia. Um, but this eggplant was actually a uh, Solanum aethiopicum. It's an African eggplant, right? And it's green when you harvest it and it ripens to orange. Um, a little bit more firm in the flesh, a little easier to work with. And that was the first eggplant that I enjoyed working with in the kitchen. And I said, oh, maybe there's more to eggplants than what I'm used to. Let's expand our horizons. And then we started digging into that diversity like you're talking about. And there's so many wonderful choices. Um, there's an eggplant for everybody, I believe. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to eventually find the one that's for me. That's for sure. Got to keep looking. <laughs> Got to keep looking. Got to keep on growing and all of that. So when you're out there and you've been learning about all these different plants and everything, are there any ones that uh, you find difficult to grow? Kind of what our question of this week is, you know, are there any sort of challenging and challenges that you have in the garden? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, come on. That's what gardens all about is challenges. Um, yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm looking for them. I find so many of them when I'm out there gardening. Um one of the challenges that we have here at Small House is we have limited space and we have limited sun. Um, so I really have to plan well in advance um, mm -hmm. to make sure I can utilize my space and light um, to maximum efficiency, right? And the other problem that I have that goes along with that is I'm a little obsessive about things. And let's say I want to grow eggplants. Now suddenly I want to grow all of the eggplants. And I know that I right. don't have the space <laughs> for that, right? So possibly my greatest issue is self-control. I want to start my seeds too early. I want to start too many of them. And then when I transplant them out, I want to put them too close together because I got to fit all these things in there, right? Um, yep. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm my greatest enemy in the garden um, for sure. But if we're going to talk about a crop that challenges me, um, well, no, we're going to come back to corn. Corn is one that I've struggled with a lot, yeah. um, again, because I don't have a lot of space and sun. So... Yeah. You know, what worked for me at the end of the day is I've read the book, um, Buffalo Bird Woman's Garden, um, which is okay. an incredible book. Um, they sit down with Buffalo Bird Woman, who is a Hidasta native, um, and they collect a lot of her memories about uh, the way that they grew things and all these things um, yeah. long ago. And they actually drew out her description of how they grew their three sisters garden um, with the mouse. So now okay. the corn beets and squash together. Yeah. And they drew out all of her measurements and everything the way that she described it um, in the book. And so we replicated that. We did a YouTube video about it. To this day, it's our most popular video. We made it a couple years ago, and it's just like clocking in the views all the time. Um, 
we sat down and I mean, we replicated what she described and it was the most successful corn I've ever grown, the best bean harvest and the best squash. All three of those crops outperformed anything we've done historically here. Um, when I learned to get out of my own way and listen to somebody that knew what they were talking about, um, <laughs> solved all my problems. Yeah. I, and you know, let's talk about the three sisters method. That is a really popular one out there. You get a lot of questions about that. And I've tried over the years and I'm, you know, they succeeded eventually. I think one of my first challenges though, is timing things are right. You know, when it came down to it, I put my beans in probably too early before letting those corn stalks grow up and boy, you get some pole beans trying to take over your whole corn and they'll pull all that stuff down eventually and everything so you want some good sturdy stocks already grown as you're getting those beans going because they'll take off there's Once two tricks to that um yeah. one yeah make sure you get your corn well established before you plant your beans but what I've, I've encountered um through research is that a lot of these traditional three sisters combinations um use half runner beans um as opposed to full-on pole beans so ones that would only actually grow vines that were three or four foot tall um, were okay. most commonly used in the three sisters combination. So that's uh, an adjustment that we made as well um, that I found to really make a big difference because those beans, um, especially when the corn comes in and everything, you know, they start to fight for the light. Um, they're fighting yeah. towards that sun and they will. Those A bean plant will pull a corn down like nobody's business. It's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> but using a shorter vining plant is going to definitely help uh, curb that you know issue. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, definitely a good idea when it comes to that. I, one year I just, I, I had all of these, would have had all of these great corn stalks like I usually get each year, but this year I ended up with just a wall of beans and uh, <laughs> it was quite a sight to see when you, when you kind of get down to it. But uh, well, at the end of the day though, you had a wall of beans, so that's a win. Yeah, yeah that's for sure that's for sure i do really love the getting some good corn out of my corns that i grow each year too and uh, similar to you though too as well is that you know i've got a limited space you know i can get plenty of light in certain areas and everything but you know making sure that you're able to put enough corn stalks together so that they can pollinate uh, themselves you know it's a really important thing as well too right absolutely so let's get moving on to what inspired you after gardening and all of that to start writing and you've done some really good writing for where actually where I found you for the very first time uh, found your name anyway was in Mother Earth News. I read one of your articles uh, you know, a while back ago and, um, and that's when I started following what you were doing and everything. Um, plus you also again you've uh, written and done things for baker creek heirloom seed company as well as modern farmer and you know of course your books that we we're talking about but uh, what inspired you to become a garden writer well it was a, a lady named sylvia actually and i talk about her in that book you got right there from our seeds and their keepers um i met sylvia she lived down in kentucky she was an older lady and we connected over a corn that her family had grown and uh she um 
was really interested in learning more about the history of this corn. And I was more than happy to get in on this too and learn more about it with her. And uh, we were like seed detectives. We hooked up with the University of Kentucky, um, all these things. And we traced this corn that her family grew way back to like folks in covered wagons. Um, like we were really able to connect hand to hand, person to person through documentation to, to trace this corn way back into her family's history, which was super exciting stuff. And we would talk on the phone, Sylvia and I, all the time as, you know, as the story was developing. And one day on the phone, you know, Sylvia says to me, she says, you know, Bevan, I'm so thankful that you like to hear these stories about this corn. You know, my family is really not interested in this sort of thing. I try to sit my kids down and talk about corn. They don't care about that. Grandkids have no interest in these old stories. You're the only person that seems to care about this corn. And that hit me, man, hard. That's heavy, right? Um, yeah. cause not only did we talk about this corn, but through these stories, I mean, Sylvia would tell me about her memories as growing up and the way her dad would care for the garden or taking the corn to the mill and having a milled into corn flour. I mean, just so many stories were coming out of this corn and it hit me that if I didn't save this story, it would be yeah. gone. It would be gone. Right. So that's what, that's why we started writing that book. And, you know, people really enjoyed the book and it kind of took off. And then people said, boy, I wish this book told me how to save my seeds. You know, it's a, it, right. these are great stories, but I want to learn more about how to save seeds. And there's a bunch of books out there on how to do that. So there's a bunch of books out there. And they said, no, we want you to teach us how to save these seeds. So then my next book, Saving Our Seeds, came out. Um, yeah. That's We worked on that. And the Mother Earth News was like, we want to run an excerpt from this book in our magazine. And I was, So then we developed that relationship. And just like all things in life, you know, once I learned to get out of my own way, uh, things just kind of snowballed into where we're at now. I got my newest books coming out in a few weeks here um awesome yeah it's it's been it's been a wild ride you know and it all started with sylvia and that corn yeah it's kind of great how those sort of stories and those things that we have that um where we got started with all of that sort of stuff um you also did a book called the artisan herbalist and what is uh your most recent book besides the new one that you have coming out so the artisan herbalist came out in 2021 and that book is about um, growing and foraging herbs um, to craft into teas and tinctures and medicinal oils and that sort of thing um you know here at small house we're lucky we're across the street from 1100 acres of forest so we do a lot of foraging out there for herbs for medicinals and for our food um in addition to the herbs and things that we grow here at the farm so that's kind of what that book is about and through the book, as we talk about harnessing these herbs, gathering these herbs and making them into medicinals, we talk about uh, infusing herbs and oils to then make salves and lotions and balms and that sort of thing, which is something that we do here at Small House. Um, we cold press our own seed and nut oils, um, sunflower seeds and hemp seeds and that sort of thing that we then use in the herbal products that we make. And my publisher and I were talking about it after the artist and herbalist came out. He says, you kind of reference this idea in the book, but you don't go into depth on it. And I said, well, I would love to, you know, talk about mm -hmm. that more. So the complete guide to seed and nut oils was the book that came from that, um, which is a book that, you know, I put, we, we've been pressing oil for 10 years now, Enoch. And uh, yeah. I wish that this book existed 10 years ago because there was no <laughs> literature on the topic when we got started. Um, so it was really hit and miss. So yeah. to be able to take all of my experiences all of my failures and successes and condense them into a book that we can share with people yeah. so they can learn about this and how easy it is to, to produce your own healthy seed and nut oils right at home. Um, it's just really yeah, cool great. to be able to have that opportunity. 
it's kind of what it takes sometimes is, you know, some experiences that we have and everything before, you know, like you said, when there's certain subjects that don't have that much information on them. So, well, you know, get out there, learn about it, figure it out because someone down the line is going to want to take your experiences so that they can figure those sort of things out as well, too. And you found a really good subject there, too, to be able to just really kind of, you know, focus in on some of those things that you've learned and be able to share that with everybody else. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's really a good thing there too. So also uh, you mentioned too, and uh, that um, written and done things for Baker Creek heirloom seed company. I can maybe do it just a little forward promo for our show. Let's get growing here too, is that uh, Jer is going to be one of our guests here coming up in a couple of weeks. And so that's something that everybody nice. can look forward to. Um, I really like Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company. They're one of my favorites as far as, and I'm sure a lot of other gardeners out there as well too, love to get into those heirloom seeds and everything when it comes to Baker Creek. How did you get started uh, working and writing for them as well? So years ago, um, I mean, 2015 or so-ish, uh, they had a program called Gardens Across America, where they were distributing unique seeds to different folks that were interested in growing them to grow and kind of document how the plants grew and take some pictures or whatever. It was um, it was a way to kind of share and preserve seeds, but also kind of a way to market these new varieties that were going to be available in the catalog. Um, and we ended up a part of that program. We grew some incredible beans, uh, the Fagiolo, Angelo and Piros, um, these beautiful Italian pole beans is what we grew for them. Um, not only beautiful seeds, beautiful beans, super productive. They were winners all the way. Right. Yeah. So we grew these beans out for Baker Creek and sent them back to them or whatever. And, uh, they must've appreciated what we had done, um, because then they reached out later and asked me to come and speak at the heirloom expo that they do yeah. every year in California. Um, so that was kind of how we first connected. And then, you know, they caught wind, you know, my interest in writing, my interest in preserving seed stories. Um, you know, our missions yeah. really lined up so much that I have been have, having the opportunity to research and write some of the seed stories that actually end up in the whole seed catalog, which is um, pretty awesome. You know, yes, it's the largest sure. printed seed catalog ever made, and it's got stories in it that I wrote. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's, it, it really is an amazing, like, you know, is what we'll talk about in this interview with Jer, too, is about the uh, whole seed catalog again like you said it's one of the most popular catalogs there are out there they sell out of them anymore and it's got to be really something to know that you're a part of that whole project as well too it's and, surreal uh, dude uh, <laughs> it's surreal <laughs> one year when we went out to california they you know they build this iconic squash tower every year yep. um the folks pro probably that are listening in are very familiar with um and one year i actually got to help build it yeah Oh, and wow. once I was standing up on the squash tower, you know, doing a little photo ops, <laughs> so folks could take, I was like, I made it. This yeah. is it. I don't, there's nowhere else to go from here. Right. Um, exactly. I can retire in style now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's something really awesome to see is this big giant, uh, like you said, it's like a big old um, 
pyramid you know rounded pyramid of uh all of these different varieties of squash and melons and things and just really awesome to see it really kind of takes you back when you walk into the room and you see that thing for for sure and it's one of my favorite things when i first started doing my whole youtube channel and all of that that was my goal at the end of the year of growing and documenting my uh, gardening uh, experience and everything was to go to the heirloom exposition. So I got to go to my first one in 2017. And after that first one, I was totally hooked yeah. and went back again for 2018, went back again for 2019. <laughs> but then the whole world changed after that. And, you know, so we haven't had one of those heirloom expositions for a few years now. And it's going to be really, really exciting to get out and go see one. Finally, this year, they'll have their 10th anniversary of the national heirloom exposition this time in southern california so do you have plans to make it down there for this one yes i will be there ventura california i believe is the town outside la somewhere um ventura yeah. county fairgrounds yep i will be there my friend most certainly um it's a little different vibe in southern california you know than than up north but i'm sure it's going to be a great event just the same yeah it's definitely going to be something interesting to see you know uh, the uh, other location in Santa Rosa up uh, in Northern California is really a great place as it is, brings in a lot of wonderful people and it's really a cool experience. Um, but like you said, it's going to be different to kind of see what it's like to be outside of such a large city like that, you know, and Los Angeles is a place that I've gotten to make many trips to and is one of my favorite places to go when it comes to gardening and talking to different gardeners there. It really is like a garden city USA. There's so many people who are just interested in that. So again, it'll be really something to see. We definitely look forward to seeing you there at the exposition this year. We'll have to do a on-site interview or something like that for everybody. So I dig it. I dig yeah. it, man, for sure. So make sure everybody that's listening in, put this on your calendars to come to this event because it is one of the greatest garden experiences you will ever have. It's an incredible time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you love gardening, have any sort of passion for it at all, it is, like you said, it's like the uh world exposition type of thing for gardeners it's the place you want to be and that's uh, i believe in mid-september coming up here this year too so definitely check that out and come down there maybe you'll get to meet bevin and and myself and a bunch of other just really wonderful gardeners too so now i want to ask you a little bit too because this is really you know again as we talked about at the beginning of the interview is that i got to appear with you on your seeds and weeds podcast so what kind of inspired you to get into the whole podcasting world so a couple of different things um one is i don't sit still very well um i, I have this need to keep busy um so every winter i find myself starting some sort of new project, you know, uh, one winter, it was the YouTube channel, you know, uh, yeah. we, we started that up cause I just needed something to do. Um, and so that was kind of what happened with this podcast. I thought I got a little bit of downtime. Um, let's see what I can do with it. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm always looking for new ways to, to connect with people, to reach out and, and just connect with other like-minded people to see what we can do with that, you know, so we can just kind of share our, our mutual love of plants really. Um, so I was like, well, let's, let's try this podcast. Let's try just a straight up audio format and see how we can do with that. Um, the other 
my other inspiration, I guess you could say for this was I've been a guest on a lot of podcasts, um, dozens and dozens of them. It seems over the years, you know, with the books and all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and I love it. I love it very much. It's, it's, it's great to have that opportunity to meet new people and to share my ideas and my stories with folks and that sort of thing. But I find that all of them are very long format, um, style interviews, which are difficult for me in particular, because I don't sit still very well, same problem. Right. (laughs) So I was like, what if we could take the basic idea of a podcast and distill it down to its bare bones essence and really just try to get to the point with everything as much as we can. Um, and so I was like, let's try that. So that's how seeds and weeds podcast came to be. Uh, they're 15 to 20 minute episodes. Our longest one so far has been 20 minutes, um, which is long enough for me to have to sit still and do, um, (laughs) but you know, when we do interviews, we try to make fun segments. We do like kind of games, garden related games with people, trivia questions. It's a lot like this show in a way where you have the different segments, you know, so we can, uh, kind of keep up with the more modern short attention span, um, for sure. And, uh, when we do straight up interviews, I call it five questions and I ask five questions. That's it. Um, I took the 20 something interviews that I've been, um, on the other side of the microphone and distilled it down to the five essential questions. And those are the questions I asked the guests that we have. And it's been great. We've had, you know, well, you, um, superstar, right. right? And we've had, uh, you know, farmers and gardeners and herbalists and foragers and just all sorts of groovy plant people that come on the show, talk about why they love plants, what they're doing in their communities to help other people love plants. And then that's it, you know, and it's, it's a bi-weekly show right now. We're dropping them every two weeks. It's been a blast. It's so much fun. Oh yeah, I've been really enjoying this show here too, and our whole uh, opportunity we have of getting to talk to all the different gardeners from whether, you know, like I said, the smaller channel gardeners on YouTube, our Instagram gardeners. There's so many great people I follow there too. So, and then of course, you know, there's just some really great people like yourself who, you know, it just makes for a really good uh, interview to kind of set the whole stage for the whole show and everything. Um, what are who are some of the people that you've got coming up or you've had on the show? Well, we had John Jackson on the show recently, um, who runs Comfort Farms down in Georgia. Um, real interesting character for sure. So Comfort Farms is sort of a, a farm-based rehabilitation center for veterans. Um, so they they bring these uh, folks in that you know have recently come back from serving in the military, um, who are trying to adjust to civilian life, and he helps them through work on the farm. It's really really fascinating stuff. Um, John's quite a storyteller too, so it was great to have him on the show. Um, we recently had Mel Mutterspa on the show. She's an herbalist. She runs a company called the Herbalist Path. Um, so she came on the show to talk about a new um, program that they're. Uh, offering there through her business, um, uh, mother, daughter type herbalism, wellness seminar type of thing. It was pretty cool. She was a really interesting lady. We had her much like how you came on the show to answer people's gardening questions. Uh, she came on the show for a segment we called ask an herbalist where people sent in questions um, about herbs and medicine and sort of stuff. That was really good. We got coming up next. We're going to have Mike and Erica, which are personal friends of mine um, that own Nature and Nurture Seeds here in Michigan. It's a small heirloom seed company, um, and they grow the seeds that they offer. Really, really cool couple. Really, really great seeds. So we're going to have them on the show. We're going to do kind of a gardening um, dating game style question game with them. I thought that would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You got to mix it up, you know. keep it entertaining not only for our listeners but also for myself you know i got to keep it right. keep it fresh i guess uh, but we just had all sorts of great folks it's it's really interesting 
to start the podcast, you know, of course I reached out to folks that I know like yourself. It was like, Hey, you know, you want to come and do this thing? I'd love to have you. And now that the show is kind of catching on, folks are starting to reach out to me interested to being yeah. on the program. So, um, so the sky's the limit. It seems like lots of people want to check out the show. Lots of people want to be on it. So I'm just excited to see what the next year is going to be. Um, again, I wish I kind of would have started this sooner because it's like, it's so much fun. I've been just having a great time with it. Yeah, I feel the same way. I came up with this whole concept for the Let's Get Growing show a couple of years ago. And uh, it was when I found the the StreamYard platform we use here. And I was like, man, how could we really kind of make something that's just a little bit unique to uh, the gardening community and to be able to provide really cool gardening stories and get to interview some of the really uh, awesome people out in the gardening community that I've gotten to know or I follow and all of that. And, and it's been really, again, like you're saying, just a really wonderful experience to, to, uh, you know, process the show and do all the things that we're doing here and to uh, be able to put it together for everybody. And, um, again, it's just, just, uh, I wish I'd gotten into it a couple of years ago when I first started it because it's been so much fun so far over these last few weeks. So I'm really looking forward to where it goes to in the future and all of the other really great people we get to bring on to our show as well. So let's see, I think we've got a couple of questions here from the audience. We'll throw those at you here real quick. All right, here we go. We've got Jay Dixon for Bevan. I noticed that you have grown your business into value added products, consultations and seed products. How, how did you grow into those areas? Mm, that's a good question. Um, well, would it cheat if I just said organically? We grew into them organically. <laughs> Things just kind of come to be, you know? So when we started Small House Farm in 2014, one of the first things that we did was start cold pressing oil, right? Um, that was something yeah. that I was just really interested in trying. And so I'm pressing all this oil at home and I have no like gauge for quality. I don't really even know what I'm doing at this point. Um, and there was a lady in the town nearby me that had one of those olive oil stores where they, you know, repackage olive oil and vinegar and, and sell it or whatever. So she was my point of reference for oil. So I took some of the sunflower oil that I had pressed into her store and I said, look what I did. And she's, you know, this, this is great. You know, you could sell this. It just could be a business, all these things, you know, and I'm not interested in business. I'm trying to, like I said, not work and just garden. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, how it works. So I was like, okay, well, maybe we could try setting up at the farmer's market. So we got a booth at the farmer's market and I brought, I pressed and pressed, you know, it's a little hand cranked oil press, press and press and press my oil all week. And I brought my little bottles of sunflower oil to the market and sold out in like 15 minutes. And people cleaned me out. You know, it was amazing. And I was like, oh, press it again next week. Same thing. As fast as I could press the oil, people were buying it. And I thought, well, maybe we do have some sort of a business model here. Well, at the same time, while this is happening, you know, I've been studying the uses of plants for most of my life and, you know, working with herbs to craft these different medicines and stuff. So we started using the oils and then bringing these herbal products with me to market too, mostly just to kind of bulk up my offerings. So I wouldn't sell how to oil so fast was kind of my goal. But then I had the same problem, problem, I guess you could say, yeah. selling out people were, you know, people were responding so well to these handcrafted, locally made goods um that i thought well maybe we should pursue this as as a line of employment um as, as something more than just a hobby and uh that 
slowly started to take off. And then while that was happening, inevitably while you're at the farmer's market, people want to come and ask you questions. Oh, well, do you have an herb you'd recommend for this? Or, oh, I've been trying to grow this and that, and I can't seem to get it to work. Do you have any advice? So I thought, well, maybe we should have a little uh, workshop and see if people want to come to a workshop and see. Yeah. And we sold it out. It would pack the place, you know, and people, yeah. And it was just like, okay, well maybe we need to try that another time. And I don't know. They just kept, they just kept rolling. Um, I would like to sit here, Enoch, and tell you that this was all part of a grand design that I had a master plan um, coming into what we're doing, but I really don't. Um, It just kind of came to be selling seeds because, well, Hey, I like growing these herbs that you just taught me how to grow. Do you got any seeds for them? Right. Sure. I guess I do. Let's try to produce more seeds. And <laughs> now here we are where it's, I mean, it's a full-time gig. Yeah. My wife and I run all of small house farm. The kids come and help as much as you know that they can with what we're doing. And uh, this is what we do for a job now is, is grow and sell herbs and seeds and teach people how to garden. And I write books, you know, um, I spend, well, my next book comes out April 4th and from April 4th until the first day of summer vacation, uh, which is something in June. I have 33 workshops that I'm given oh, all wow. over the place. Yeah, I travel all over the country now to talk to people about the benefits of locally grown food and medicine. And, you know, again, there was no plan to it. It was just yeah. getting out of my own way, I guess. Right. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, what a get, what a what a killer gig to have. Right. <laughs> it could be worse. I've had worse jobs for sure. There's right. days, man, where I'll like look up. I'm out in the middle of the woods gathering leaves, and you know, I'm like, this is my day at work. You know, like yeah. not bad. You know, and not I'll paint it with a very all. rose-colored brush because to make it sound wonderful. But as we all know, as entrepreneurs and and freelancers, it there's a lot of stress and a lot of work going on behind <laughs> the scenes for sure. Uh, it's not as beautiful yeah. as I might make it sound, oh, but yeah. it's pretty beautiful all the same. It, you know, so we got to count our blessings, yeah. right? Yeah, everything has gone so well for us over our first uh, four shows we've done already so far. But that is one of those behind the scene things that people don't see is how we're clamoring. Uh, In fact, I think we got started a minute late today because we were just trying to get a couple of things that came up last minute, you know, and just trying to throw things together. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a ton of stress that comes along with it. But the cool thing is, is that, you know, we're gardening and we're gardeners. And so we have a great opportunity to de-stress later on a lifetime ago i used to organize a music festival um pre-gardening days um you know and uh it was just like that where the show itself is incredible people are having a great time but backstage it's utter chaos the whole time you know people (laughs) are running and screaming and pulling their hair out and things are falling apart but up on the stage it looks beautiful for everybody you know um yeah. and that's 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 how you know you're doing a good job right yeah that's really kind of funny too because i didn't know that about you as well too is that i actually dabbled in a little bit of music production and concert production back in college and it's the same thing i just remember that whole you know being the producer being the person who's in charge of making sure everything goes the way it's supposed to go is probably that was probably one of the most stressful things i ever did but yet you know it's really great again similar to with this show and everything is to see the uh you know the final outcome and be a part of all of that is just awesome so it kind of makes it worth the stress in the long run but uh <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. That was that was some fun. For sure, man. And I got to tell you right here, I, you're doing a great job with the show. I've watched every episode. Um it's oh, it's fantastic. You. you guys are doing a wonderful job for sure. 
awesome. That's really awesome to hear too. And again, when you're getting that feedback from everybody as well too about what you're doing, it's just a really, really makes a lot of things worth it as well too. So it looks like we still got another question or so here. Let's check out what is our next question from LP. What tips do you have for other gardeners with limited sun who want to grow everything? All right. That's a good question. That's a question we're all facing, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I got a few answers. One is sometimes you got to make some hard choices. Um, just like how I used to grow corn and I've had to cut corn out of my lineup uh, because it just wasn't going to work for me. And sometimes you just have to face the facts that you're not going to be able to do everything. You want to grow everything? I want to grow everything, but I just know that that's not necessarily realistic. Um, but we can certainly push those boundaries, right? Um, and we great. could try to grow as many things as possible for sure. Um, looking into, you know, plants that will grow well in partial sun um, is something that we do a lot of here. And I find that with some crops, um, I feel as if I can extend their harvest even by doing that. You know, spinach and lettuce, those are crops that prefer cooler weathers, right? Um, mm -hmm. They like cooler, cooler weather. And when it gets hot and, and sunny, they're going to bolt. They're not going to be good anymore. But I grow them practically in the shade right? Well yeah. mulched and well watered, keeping those root systems moist, keeping the roots cool is the most important thing. Top of the plant, it can suck in the heat. That's fine. It's the roots that are going to make the decisions for these plants. So when we keep that root system cool, we can extend their life a little bit longer. Cilantro. Yeah. Cilantro is an herb. People can tell you, oh, grow it in the full sun. Well, sure you can, but it's going to bolt right away and that sort of thing. That's and you're going to have to plant cilantro every couple of days just to keep it going. I grow it in the shade. It might get a little lanky, but I'm going to have it for significantly longer, right? So just yeah. learning to kind of understand how these plants are doing their thing, um, what kind of boundaries we can sort of push with them, move them a little bit into the shade as we go. And you'll find that there's a lot of plants that will do just all right. You know, they'll do fine with uh, less sun than they're recommended to get, you know, so you can kind of push yeah. those things. In addition to that, sometimes I'll grow stuff in pots just so I can move the pots around in the sun. Yeah. Um, here at Small House, you know, what my sunniest area is the big wraparound deck that we have in our house, right? Um, okay. And I'm not going to get rid of the deck because everyone likes to sit on it, uh, but that's where most of my sun is. So I grow a lot of things in containers. Even though I've got plenty of in-ground gardening, I've got raised beds all over the place, I'm still growing stuff in containers just so I can maximize that sun. Um, yeah. Before we lived here, I lived in a house in town, they had a really long driveway and it was the only place that we got any sun on like half the driveway. So I'd grow my tomatoes in pots and then I'd come back out halfway through the day and move all the pots to the other side of the driveway yes. just so I could keep them in the sun. Um, you know, so yeah, there are those big advantages of doing small space container gardening too. You know, it's one of those things you might not have the limited space or again, in some cases you might actually have it, but containers are so awesome because of that ability to just move them around and to make sure that they're getting all the sun and everything that they need. Absolutely. So Having a good plan is the key, you know, making a list of what do you really want to grow? What are your half twos? What are your possible things you can cut? You know, making a real realistic list of what you're going to want to grow. And then I like to diagram the garden. I'll get graph paper, um, yeah. you know, because I can use that kind of as a measurement. And I will diagram out all of my garden plans to really kind of almost like a Venn diagram of what do I want to grow and what do I actually have space for? And where that overlaps, that's my garden plan. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. All such really good stuff there, um, which kind of maybe there's just a little bit more too. But usually my last question is if you have any advice or tips or anything like that for newer gardeners. 
Yeah. Um, so of course, start small, right? That's good advice. Um, don't overwhelm yourself. Don't try to do too many things at one time, especially if you're just learning, um, because you're probably going to make a mistake somewhere and which is okay. Yeah. But if you make a whole bunch of mistakes, you could get frustrated. You know, you overwhelm yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going to get frustrated. And that really what we're trying to do is have fun out in that garden. You want to get out there. You want to have a good time. All that delicious food that you're going to grow is almost like a side effect of having fun in the garden. So get yeah. out there. Have a good time. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Making yes. mistakes is totally human nature. We're all going to do it. I'm a garden forever. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I make so on the podcast, one of the five questions that I always ask folks is what was a recent garden failure and what was the lesson that you learned from that? That's the question I ask, yeah. and every person's like, Oh, that's a long list. I can't believe I only have to pick one. Um, because even <laughs> the most right. experienced growers, we're we're messing things up all the time, you know. Yeah, so yeah. just be prepared to make mistakes and learn how to roll with it. Exactly. And that that's a big thing though, too, is don't get discouraged. You know, there's a lot of challenges when it comes to gardening. There's so many aspects of it. You know, again, as you talked about whether, you know, you're, you're gardening in a shadier area or a more sunnier area, if you have containers or in ground or, you know, pests, pests are another big challenge for people and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, you know, that's one of the things I always tell people when I'm talking online or giving advice and everything is to not get discouraged because those things are going to happen. You're going to find the challenges. You're going to find mistakes or things that don't grow as well, you know, and uh, to just keep going at it. You know, that's one of the things I like to refer to gardening is similar to baseball or other sports, you know, is that, uh, you know, you might not have the greatest season this season, but there's always next season. You oh, know, I like that. Learn, learn and take uh, some of the things that you figured out, you know, similar to what you talk about, though, too, with diagramming and everything. I talk about garden journaling, write some of this stuff down so that you can remember it next year so that you can, you know, not make the same mistake or, you know, work on those sort of challenges that you're facing and all of that, too. You know, those are all really good things to do for uh, newer gardeners, because I want to see as many garden gardeners succeed out there as possible because gardening again is one of those just really wonderful experiences where you know not only do we get like you said the food and the things that are the outcomes of our garden as you know as a side effect in a sense we also get that garden therapy yeah there's nothing better than to de-stress from the crazy world or your crazy job or, you know, things going on with the family, all that sort of stuff, than to be able to step out into a garden and just be able to work in the soil. It's just an amazing experience. My happiest moment of every day is I'll wake up, I'll pour a cup of coffee, and I'll just walk around in the garden, right? It's just when things are just starting to wake up, the sun's coming up, the birds are starting to sing you some songs, you know, and it's just so peaceful, Oh, it's the greatest thing. Everything else just melts away. Nothing else even exists anymore. You know, it's just that, that beauty of the garden, you know, it's the greatest thing. Like you're saying, I mean, never be afraid of making mistakes. You'll learn, you're going to learn stuff every time, you know, so I'll do seminars for master gardeners, master gardeners, Enoch. And at the end of the talk, you know, how many of them raise their hands to ask questions. And these folks, (laughs) they're master gardeners. They've been doing it their whole lives and they're still learning new stuff. You know, Um, we, do this our whole we're going to keep learning things so if you're brand new to it well you got a wonderful world ahead of you of learning um coming up so just you know buckle up and yeah. take the ride and it's, it's the most fun that you're going to have 
Yes, exactly. I kind of say that, you know, if you're not continually learning things in the garden, then are you really gardening? <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so awesome again to have you here with us, Bevan. It's been such a great conversation. I've been looking forward to this interview for weeks now. And uh, again, you know, thanks for uh, taking your time out today to join with us here on the Let's Get Growing live cast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute blast. Such a pleasure. Um, thank you to everyone that helps put the show together. Everybody's been watching. Enoch, man, you're the man. Thank you so much for having me out today. Awesome. And again, yeah, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you here real soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Awesome. How awesome is that? What a great conversation with Bevan Cohen, author and podcaster at Seeds and Weeds Podcast. You can find at smallhousefarm.com. There's a link down below in the description. Go check out everything that he's got there. Go check out some of his books. Like I said, I've got this one called From Our Seeds and Their Keepers. Really some amazing, cool stories about uh, saving seeds and seed stories and all of that sort of stuff too, plus all of the other books that he has there too. And again, you can find him also featured every now and then on uh, in Mother earth news magazine and uh again awesome conversation just really great there too we also want to thank lanny from gingerfoot gardener who we following on instagram for joining with us today and talking about all of her fun gardening that she's uh, been doing lately and as well emmanuel arce of ultimate gardening what an awesome young man and all of his gardening things he's got going on too so be sure to check out all of these great gardeners down in the links below in our description and you can go and follow along with them there too so i hope you all have enjoyed today's show and again to check out all the links and everything down in the description and uh, i also like to mention at this point in time too that you know one of the best ways that you can support our show is to support our sponsor the show is sponsored by ivy organics you can see them at ivyorganics.com and they have a really cool shop. They have an amazing um, fertilizer. They got a three-in-one plant guard. They got some other different things that they offer there in their store as well. So be sure to go check out uh, ivyorganics.com. Go shop for some of their things there and be sure to use our promo code GROW10, G-R-O-W-10. 10 and you can get 10% off of everything that they have offered in their store. So again, thank you to all of our guests this week. Next week's guest will be talking with Scott Head of Black Gumbo Gardening. And we'll also have with us Rachel of Oxheart Gardening for our channel of the week. And we'll be following sisters in the garden so we're gonna have some really fun gardening conversations again next week we've had a wonderful show it's been so awesome to have all of you following along with us here today and be sure get down in the comments let us know what you think of the show be sure to hit that like button and give us a big thumbs up for our show today and all of our guests that we've had and also course be sure to subscribe to our channel so that you can follow along with all of our fun gardening adventures here on the urban gardener channel and from all of us here at let's get growing have a great week we'll see you all next saturday <music>